0: So, uh, let's dive in. I We've been talking a lot about about hearing God uh, the last last month and a half, and so we have a few more weeks on this series, and uh, these next few weeks is where it's really going to, uh, especially come home because we're going to be diving into a lot of the uh, application and practices a, a lot more, and so I, I want you to be aware of that just so you know, kind of, we're, we're kind of on the on the last turn here, and, and, and it's really exciting, and I hope that it's been fruitful and beneficial for you, and, and I hope these, these next few weeks will give you um, kind of the tools you need to, to, to really go to, to, to the next uh, uh, depth with, with Christ in this. And you know, one of the big things about this is that uh, when this is practiced in a small group, when the stuff we're doing is happening in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a local, like a smaller community, that's where it really takes hold. And so, like, this is the stuff, like, to kind of get you going, to kind of get you started. But when you're actually practicing, practicing this in your small groups, you're really going to see some significant change. So I want to encourage you, uh, if, you're, if you're not in a small group, to, uh, to, to really join one. Um, you know, we, we have, I, I would imagine most people, if not all of us, we have kind of a varying level of friends. My sister talked about uh, last when I was with her last month a few weeks ago. She's like, like people don't understand how you can have like, like more than one best friend, right? Like you can have multiple best friends. You have like your childhood best friend, and you have like your work best friend, right? And so you have different kinds of best friends, and and but there's even more than that, right? There's you have friends that you like you you love to go do whatever your shared a uh, hobby is, right? You would have that kind of friend. You have a friend that's on the other scale that could be, that's more of like an acquaintance kind of friend, you know what I mean? And so we have these, these, this, this range of, of, of what a friend is. And then you also have mentors, right? You have a friend that's kind of like a mentor that really speaks into your life. I mean, especially as an adult, they really occupy that space both as friend and as mentor. Uh, and so have you ever had that friend or that mentor that like, gives really good advice that can offer some good direction, or is this a good friend to have? You know, I, I think all of us have experienced that. And then there's the friend that actually changes, or that relationship, your time with that friend actually changes your whole approach to life, <laughs> right? Changes your thinking on a particular topic, or changes your, your viewpoint on something at a significant level. You ever had that kind of relationship with someone or had a mentor that was like that? Um, are you familiar with J.R. Tolkien? So if not, he's the one that wrote the Lord of the Rings series. And so, I mean, fame legacy of, of, of literature, right? One, one of the famous series in the West. Um, and he was also a Christian. Um, so if you haven't heard of him, I'm guessing you're going to have heard, heard of this one, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, right? Also, famed author and Chronicles of Narnia series. Well, uh, Tolkien and Lewis were friends um, in in London, and and Lewis really wasn't. You know, they had a really good friendship. Tolkien was was a Christian. Lewis didn't wasn't really into anything, have any kind of spirituality. And there was a time in their relationship and in their friendship that because of that relationship, Lewis had a significant change in perspective towards spirituality and towards God. It was because of that relationship. Not because JR, like preached at him every day, but because of their friendship. And they experienced some serious life. They weren't just college professors. They, they fought... In World War One, and so they experienced just kind of the the depth and 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 the suffering and the and some of the worst things that our that our, our world has seen. And so their friendship was kind of forged in and some and some real stuff. And so it's because of that relationship that we have the Chronicles of Narnia series, right? And all the other major contributions that C.S. Lewis um, has made. To, to the Christian community at large. But it's really amazing what that kind of relationship can do. You know, that experience of, of a mentor or friend, that relationship with God, many here have had. Usually it's, we have one or two of these monumental experiences with him. But what if those one or two experiences weren't isolated? Wasn't if it, what, what if it wasn't just that, that thing that happened once that you remember 10 years ago? Some here, even though those some um, are Christians here, I believe, haven't had some of these experiences. You know, you've heard about them, you know about them, and, and even desire them, but you haven't really had them. Like, this experience of God, or this experience of something beyond ourselves, is, is something that has been talked about and that you've read about, but hasn't, you haven't really experienced. And I've seen that with people who, who have been around for, for many years. Many years and others, still Christians or not, know there is something more available out there, but not sure how to get there or if even getting there is possible. So, what if through this conversational relationship with God that we've been talking about, we could have a regular experience of the fullness of God, we could have a regular experience of the Trinity within us, and it was something that we could experience on and on that actually continued to have this life-changing shifts in our hearts. So let's let's look at a couple scriptures. Uh, John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's look at another one, John 9, 5. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus makes quite the statement here. He isn't saying he is light. He is saying he is the light of the world. That's a a pretty significant and common statement. And he says whoever, um, he continues on to say that by following him, we can also partake or share in that light. So much so, in fact, that the light he's referring to is embedded in our lives, and our lives become That same light that he is. That's what he's saying right here. Talking to the disciples in Matthew, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is really important here because what he says here is about a declaration and a command. A designation and a purpose is what we see here. It's a calling. You are this, so go and be this. What's interesting is, in the first scripture, he says that this is possible when you follow me. This follow, the word follow here, is said in the sense of, in the original Greek, it's like, it's when you emulate me, when you do the things that I do then you can be that light. So he calls us light, but then also says we need to become light. It's this interesting dynamic that Jesus continually used throughout the Gospels where he says two things that seem to contradict, but they actually don't contradict. He says we're light, but then we actually need to grow and become that light that he is and that he he desires for us to be. Towards the end of the scripture, it's easy to confuse what he is saying and focus on doing good deeds. That they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. And and good, good deeds, good works is important. It is. But the bigger message, the main point is this. When we emulate him, we become that light. And that light can't be hidden. A city on a hill can't be hidden. It's it's not possible, right? You're not going to let a pitch black house stay dark when a light source is available. If there's light in a pitch black house, it can't help but light up the entire house. That's what Jesus is saying here. The good works happen because you just can't help it. When we become that light, we can't help but be light. The light that we become that fills us not only creates good works, but brings a fullness to our lives that goes beyond this life. A life richer than any material item could ever provide. A life of fulfillment. A life of the ages. This entire series has been looking at the word of God. But more than that, how we have to expand our definitions and understandings of God's word as this is the baseline for developing an ongoing relationship and a relational conversation with our creator. First, when we say word of God, we need to separate that from the written word of God. The written word is from him, yet it is not all of him. Nor is it all that he wants to say. The written word is from him, but it's not all of him. And it's not all that he wants to say. So how can we, if, if we classify the, the written word of God, that is the Bible, into one sentence, this is how I would put Simply, it's an expression of God's mind. That's, that's what the word of God is. That's what the Bible is. It, is. it is an expression of God's mind. A similar expression of God's mind is creation or Jesus. These are all an expression of God's mind. You know, if you read poetry, it's an expression of that author's mind in words, yes? But what's in their mind are not words, but an experience. And so I want to give an example. This is one of my favorite poems by Maya Angelou called Caged Birds, and I'm going to play a video that, that recites, that someone reciting this, this poem. And I, I want you to either read or listen however you kind of absorb it best and just kind of experience what's happening. Start it over for me. It's a, it's a great, it's a great poem. And my purpose in playing that is because I, as you read that, as you hear that, there's more than just words on that page. There's a confluence of, of emotions, of, of experiences, of desires, all just happening within Miss Angelou's mind. And it just comes out, in this way because this is the way that she naturally expresses but it just comes out in this way to where when you read it like there's something beyond the words on a page that desire for freedom when we begin to see it in those terms the bible that is not necessarily or completely as poetry but as god's mind it helps us absorb the word like osmosis and get in us and that's where we need it to be for the next part of our journey And the Bible actually speaks to that. In Psalm 119, 11, it says, I have stored up your word in my heart. One translation says, I've hidden your word in my heart. It's something that goes beyond understanding. It actually exists on the inside of me. It's wrapped up within me. In uh, in Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection, what took place was an impartation, a delivery of God's heart, character, and the faith Jesus had into us and to those that live in the kingdom. It occurs through word and spirit, not just reading the word, but it's the actual life birth by God given to us by his spirit. And as this takes place, in our heart, and enables us to live a life that experiences meaning. Because just as that lamp is meant to light up the house, we will find our meaning on this earth as we become light. This step is important to understand because it gives a deeper perspective. Before we, we um, move on, though, I want to talk about one thing. Uh, and that's It's very easy to allow the written word of God, the Bible, to take a place in our heart that it doesn't belong. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but we don't want to turn the Bible into an idol. And it can become that. It can't become the most important thing, whereby we miss the heart of God. Too often, we go to the Bible for facts or information or even worse, to make a point when that's not its purpose. It's for transformation, it's for renewal, to bring us closer to God. What matters most is our relationship and heart towards the Trinity, God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Our focus should be there, and our guide is scripture. It's not the other way around. And this happens naturally, like this, 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 is, a, this is a common problem that we've actually seen that scripture actually tells us about, and yet we still fall in that trap because we're human. But 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about this. In chapter 3, verse 6, he says, he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills. But the Spirit gives life. The letter Paul is talking about is the Scripture. Now, don't misunderstand. I love the Bible. I love the written word. But we cannot let it become an idol. So it's this word we've been talking about, all forms of it and its entrance into us that allows us and enables us to become light. We are all broken and fallen. It's the world we live in and are born into. We don't have to stay broken, though. Nor does the world we live in have to stay broken. And so we've been talking about transformation, how our inner self is made new. It all starts with what's happening in our minds. That's actually where it begins. The stories we tell and are told about who we are, how we feel, and what we experience. These stories and experiences that are occurring inside of us then shape our outward response towards others in our relationship with God. What the word does, and remember how we define that broader definition of the word, is come in and, and it washes us. It cleans us. It scrubs out the broken narratives, the false stories that shape our experience, our longings, and our anxieties. As this occurs, our mind is made new, and it becomes like the mind of Jesus. And our inner self, our soul, and our heart becomes new. And our response towards others and towards God becomes new as well. Y'all with me so far? Okay. Make sure I'm not losing anybody. So... To kind of unpack this a little bit and kind of unpack this process, I'm going to share. I want to share kind of a a personal example. Uh, There was this person I used to work with, and uh, that I I just did not like working with. No one here, or no one who has ever been here. (laughs) This isn't my work outside of church. Let me be very clear. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, it was no one here. This was, this was a while ago and, 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 and um, in my work outside of here. And um, this person would, would say things, would comment on my work or how I handled something or just outright go around me and I would just be livid. Like, everything this person did just made me angry. Like, have you ever, like, had that, like, and so it was just like every time they said something, every time they did something, or just, and it would just drive me insane. And often I didn't know a lot, you know, really, a lot of times that I was hurt, I didn't realize it was, that I was mad it was because I was hurt. Um, and so it was just, it was constant. And so this person was also very negative, just how like kind of was it like a negative mood all the time? Um, and that kind of dragged my mood down, you know? And it was just like, I come home at the end of the day and like I, I, now I'm all, um, just down and, and upset over like nothing, right? Because I was like in this environment where this person is always negative and it was just really upsetting. And so we, we when we would have projects together, I had this kind of this duality of like enjoying my work because I did enjoy my work. But at the same time, I was extremely stressed and anxious all throughout. And so this work that I loved and enjoyed just wasn 't just enjoyable at all because I was just constantly stressed and anxious, and so it got to a point where i 'm like okay i need to I, I need to do something about this because this isn't this isn't going to work <laughs> and so I wanted to change this to work through it and, and just to kind of have a better response because i wasn't much light <laughs> in my outward uh, uh expression during that time. I I, I was very dim. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, this is not good. We got to change this. And so uh, I read this passage in Ephesians, and and it said we are God's handiwork created in Jesus to do good works. It's a great passage. As I read it, it made sense, right? And I I had my sense of duty to do good works. And that's kind of how I took the passage, and then I read it a few more times, and something stuck out. And mind you, this is over a period of time that this is happening, the story. So I read it a few times, and something stuck out. I said, we are God's handiwork. And I, I love that phrase. It spoke to me, but I, I didn't know why. And then as I was thinking about it throughout the day, all of a sudden I just, I wanted that phrase to be true about my life about who I was. I wanted to feel like I was crafted and made with care and devotion and that I was enough, that, that I was good enough. That's what I, that was my longing, but I didn't feel that way. And so that's why that part of the passage stuck out to me. It was because there was this longing in and for, and I didn't realize it. And so I spent more time with that scripture And then realize God does, in fact, want that for me, too. (laughs) That he wants me to know that I'm enough, that I was made with care and devotion. And so I asked him to make it possible. You know, prior to that, I, I had known that's how I felt about myself, but I couldn't get past it. Now in front of me, God is saying, hey, I can take you there. After some more time with that word and in my conversations with God about it, his grace and the power of the Spirit and that word just became a reality in my life. It went from reading it and understanding it to wanting it, to seeing that God wanted it too, to asking him for it, to actually it actually becoming a reality to where I would then walk out in the day and actually feel like God's handiwork. Whereas before, I didn't. And so, we go back to our next project with my fun co-worker. And my interaction with this person changed. The same comments would come. But it hurt less and less until it didn't hurt anymore. And I wasn't angry. The negativity that was constant didn't really persuade me as much and didn't affect my mood at the end of the day because I was in a better place. And because of that, that person became less negative because there was a response to the light. Transformation took place in my heart in a small way. I was able to be light in a small way when before I wasn't because of God's grace and his spirit. What was really great was the freedom that came. The reduced stress and anxiety of having to do things to prove that I was enough in that relationship and in my work. Man, because that was a I was a cage. And so the freedom that came from that, because I not only understood that I was God's handiwork, I actually became that on the inside. And this experience with God went beyond my current w- situation. There was a certain experience I had as I, as I went through all of that and looked back at all of it and saw the change that took place that I realized, oh, my gosh, God does actually love me. Because while I knew it, I I often had a hard time actually believing it. I don't know if anybody else has gone through that. But that was a real struggle for a long time. And so it was that process, which was painful, that I had this transcendent experience with him. And it's possible and has been to do that over and over again. Now, that was one scripture. <laughs> it's one tiny little verse and a tiny little letter and a very large book. Like a man, imagine what we can do with all of Scripture, right? But that's why it's a lifetime of work and why we're not in a rush for this. Now, one thing we have to be very careful of in this walk with God is turning it into knowledge without application. We don't read for ideas, to talk about those ideas, and to live in a world of ideas. That's not the purpose of Scripture, nor of any expression of God to us. They must lead to action by his Spirit and his grace, but action nonetheless I also want us to avoid another pitfall. When we focus so much on the Bible and and on um, behavior and less on walking with the creator and in this new life with Christ, our lives end up being about suppression and repression. Okay? So I'm going to say that again when we focus more on the Bible and on our behavior, when that becomes our focus and less about this walking with God and experiencing this new life with him, the Christian life and, and our walk becomes more about suppression and repression. That's not what, the life, what this life is about and, and not the light that God has, God has called us to. Suppression only lasts so long. You can only hold something down so long before it just pops back out, often worse than before, right? There's only something you can repress so long, and even if it doesn't pop out, it usually comes up in some other kind of way. So, like, I used to have a lot of um, issues with, like, just deep, deep fear and anxiety. And I would, I would like, try to, like, w- suppress that fear, and because it would come out in... Um, uh, and migraines. And so, and I used to get migraines a few times a week. Like, it was just miserable. And, and, and really the root of it was just the deep anxiety and fear I was in. And so I suppressed it, and it came out another way, through, through sleep paralysis. <laughs> like, I used to, I used to have sleep paralysis for, for, for a couple of years. And it was just awful. And so repressing the fear didn't actually get rid of the fear. And it's the same thing with any of our behavior. When it becomes about that, we're not actually becoming the light that God calls us to be. And so I had to be transformed so that and realize that there is no, not realize, but like realize that in love there is no fear. And then that fear went away. Now, of course, you know, don't, don't go too far. Of course, there's some obvious impulses we need to suppress right? I mean, there are some things we don't need to work through, we just need to not do, right? I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the overall notion that being a Christian means repressing everything. When that happens, we miss the heart of God, which calls us to a life with him, full of joy, peace, love, patience, and kindness. The result is self-control, but that's not the way to get there. Y'all with me some more? I don't tell that story or, or give these examples because I'm, I'm, I've, I've like got something special on me. No, oh, quite the contrary. I've had more bad behavior and darkness come out of me as much as anyone. I also know what it was like to to allow my my relationship with God to be so focused on transactions that I miss what a life with him was like. And I don't want that for us. This renewal is not a one-time thing at conversion or baptism. It's ongoing. We get to experience renewal of ourselves over and over again. Like, you know when you, like, get something new, that, that, like that new feeling, right? Like, it feels good, right? And it's the same feeling when we see our heart get renewed. Like, but it doesn't happen, have to happen just once. We get to experience that over and over again and have that experience over and over again and find a fullness of life and experience with God over and over again. And when that happens we now have the character to which listening to God's voice becomes natural and not forced. All right, let's look at practical tips. Okay. So you don't have to know the entire Bible well in order to begin this process. You start with what scriptures you know. And if you don't know any scriptures, that's okay. Start with a scripture from today, John 8, 12. And you're going to read slowly, okay? I'm going to break out what we're doing right now. You'll notice this looks a lot... (coughs) Excuse me. You'll notice this looks a lot like what Lauren did a couple weeks ago. It's because it's the same practice... But we're just going to the next phase, the, kind of the, the, the next depth of that practice. This practice actually goes back thousands of years, and so we've learned a lot over that time, and so we're going to kind of continue to unpack it. And so if you miss what, uh, what, what Lauren did, I want you to check that out online because we're going to continue to build upon this. And as you do this regularly, you'll be able to see that renewal take place. Okay. So first, you read the scripture for information, okay? And so this is uh, part A of practical tip. Read the scripture for information. And then you're going to read and meditate until you have the desire for it to be so in your life. And it's really important that none of these areas get rushed. If you don't have the desire for it, then there's, there's no point of going forward. And I don't say that like harshly, I just mean then just, it just becomes like religious <laughs> and we're just like doing things and we're just doing a practice and it becomes about the practice. There has to be something in you that desires. And the thing is, um, I, I was talking to Nikki about this earlier this week. Most of our behaviors and the things we do in our life, even the bad ones, I sincerely believe, come from a God-given desire. Not everything, but I'm going to say most things. And so often, when we allow ourselves to open up and be free and be real and authentic about what's going on, we can have that true desire that is necessary to find transformation. See, you continue to meditate until you come to a place of realizing that it is real in your life. And then D, you're going to pray to God to make this realization a reality. To where it becomes not just something you know and long for, but something that is affirmed, that is happening. And then Continue to meditate and pray for God's grace as you see that reality unfold in your inward and outward life. And none of this, especially this last stage, can be forced. You have to allow it to happen. And trust, and and with trust in God, see it occur through his power and his grace. That's the thing. This is not a formula. You don't do this five times and see your life change. It is only through His power and His grace and His Spirit. He says we are born of water and of spirit. Okay. And so, I, I said this before. I'm gonna say it one more time: you don't have to know the entire Bible. Right now. That's that's not what this is about. Start with scriptures you know that's the best place to start. Because there's a reason why you still know them. They they stuck out for you for some reason. Start with those. It'll grow from there. And if you're new to this or haven't haven't done this at all, like this whole Christian thing, just start with that first scripture, John eight twelve. And let's just see what happens. And I love to hear some stories. All right, we're gonna worship and Um, Then we're going to do some ministry time.